Amen. I sense the Holy Ghost here tonight. Amen. I don't want to grieve the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost, the, the, the presence of God is so precious. You hear me? You hear me? The presence of God is so precious. We'll die without it. Oh, Father God, let us not grieve your spirit. Oh, Lord God, have your way tonight, Father. Lord, I yield myself to you, Lord God. I pray that you speak through me, Father. Oh, Lord God, I'm weak. I have nothing to say, Father, without your spirit, Father. I pray, Lord, that you give those here, Father, ears to hear, Father. Let us hear your word, Father. Speak to us. Speak to our hearts, Father. Anoint this word, Father God, that it would fall upon good ground in Jesus' name, Father. Bless this time here, Father. We thank you so much for your presence, Father. Lord, we just honor you, Lord God. Just love him for a minute. Just love him. Thank you, Jesus, for coming in our midst, Lord God. Where two or three are gathered, you said you'd be in the midst. And, Father, I thank you, Lord God, that you're in our midst, Father. I thank you for your presence, Father that you're here to convict, here, Lord, to edify, to build up, to strengthen, to encourage. And, Father, I pray you do your perfect and divine will. In Jesus' name, let everybody say it. Amen. Amen. Turn to 2 Thessalonians. We're going to talk to you tonight about escaping apostasy. It's going to complement what the Holy Ghost said to us this morning. We describe that falling away, that uh, apostasy that's happening in the church in this hour. But I don't know about you, but I want to survive, amen? Yes. And I, I don't want to just go on to heaven. You hear me? I didn't just get saved to go to heaven. I got saved that I could do something for Jesus Christ. Yes. I owe everything to Jesus. My peace of mind, my sanity, everything that I have, not just in the material world. I'm not talking about material things. I'm talking about my spirit, my soul, my very existence, my purpose in life. I never knew that I had a purpose before I met Jesus Christ. It was the greatest thing that captivated me once I met the Lord Jesus Christ that I knew all these years I had sought for something to live for. Something worthy. I knew that I had a purpose in this life. But when I met the Son of God, I found that purpose. Yes. That's the only way a man or a woman will find out his calling, his purpose, his reason for existence. Yes. is to come in the presence of the Creator. And that's the only fulfillment that you'll ever have. That service. It's more blessed to give than to receive. And see, God created you to give. He's given you purpose. He's called you with a calling. So I'm not, I'm not called to preach. That's all right. You're called for something. There's something that God has gifted you to do in the kingdom. And that's what will fulfill you in this life. Not money, not riches, not fame, not power. It's funny how human beings can never learn over the course of history. We've seen great men 
in the worldly standards, by worldly standards, had money, fame, power, women, whatever the world calls fulfilling. Those same men, same women, have put guns in their head and blown their brains out. Why? Because there's no fulfillment in that. But even us in the church will be tempted by the devil to follow after those things, to seek out fulfillment. That's not what fulfillment is. Fulfillment's in the will of God, the perfect will of God. So I don't just want to escape apostasy and escape this falling away just to go to heaven, to escape hell. That'd be simply selfish. I want to do something for Jesus. I want to leave a mark on this life. Amen. I want to do something for eternity. Those men that just came back from the space shuttle, well, that's a great feat in the eyes of men. Don't you know that? To, to, to orbit in space, to, to do the things they did in space. That's highly esteemed among men. But do you know in a billion years, nobody will ever remember that space shuttle voyage? Nobody. They'll only remember what was done in this life through the Son of God, through the name of Jesus in the Holy Ghost. Eternity, a billion years from now, the only thing that will matter is what did you do for the Son of God in this life? And in a billion years, I want to have some crown, something to lay at the feet of Jesus and said, look, I was just your humble servant, but what I did have, what little bit of measly talent and measly ability I had, I laid at your feet. And God, give us all grace to do that, that we can be used for the Son of God. In this hour, just like we talked this morning, a lot of people, you know, be saying, well, Brother Britt, I believe there's great revival in the church. Great success, great blessing. Oh, no. And listen to me, I don't want to just blast the church. You hear me? I believe in the church. I believe in the ministry. I mean, there's a remnant in this land. There's holy men of God that stand. There's people that are holy. I believe there's many more sheep that are hungry for God, but it's the leadership that holds them back, and God's going to judge. He's judging the ministry. Right now, he's going to remove every pastor, every man that will stand in the way of his people pressing into God. A lot of people are hungry for truth. James and I traveled uh, a couple times up, you know, around North Carolina and Virginia, different places up there, a lot of young men we ministered to. There are a lot of people there. You just tell them what to do. Tell them what the Bible says. They'd be willing to do it. Oh, but their pastors tell them they went crazy. God's going to judge the ministry, going to have a pure ministry that's going to encourage the people to press into Jesus Christ. Let's read this. Now we beseech you, brethren, by the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Chapter 2, verses 1 to 12. And by the gathering together unto him, that ye be not soon shaken in mind, or be troubled, neither by spirit, nor by word, nor by letters from us, as that the day of Christ is at hand. Let no man deceive you by any means, for that day shall not come, except there come a falling away first, and that man of sin be revealed, the son of perdition who opposeth and exalteth himself above all that is called God or that is worshipped, so that he as God sitteth in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. Remember ye not that when I was yet with you, I told you of these things. And now ye know what withholdeth that he might be revealed in his time. For the mystery of iniquity doth already work. Only he who now letteth will let until he be taken out of the way. And then shall that wicked be revealed whom the Lord shall consume with the spirit of his mouth and shall destroy with the brightness of his coming. Speaking of the Antichrist, the person of the Antichrist, the spirit of the Antichrist, the workings of the Antichrist. 
Even him whose coming is after the working of Satan with all power and signs and lying wonders. Don't think the devil cannot perform a miracle. He will, he is, even this hour, doing those things to try to give uh, validity to the message that he preaches. Amen. You hear what I'm saying? Perform a miracle, believe what I preach. You never go by that. You hear what I'm saying? You better go by what this word says. You better tr try everything by the word of God. And with all deceivableness of unrighteousness and them that perish because they received not the love of the truth. Say that with me. They received not the love of the truth that they might be saved. And for this cause, God shall send them strong delusion or error. Who's going to send it? God. God. Oh, God wouldn't do that, would he? Oh, yes, he would. He's going to give you what you want. He, he, he said, I'll raise up a prophet that will minister to your idols. I'll put a lying spirit in the mouth of the false prophets. Oh, yeah, God will do that. Because God's going to have a holy church. Because he promised himself a church without spot, blemish, or wrinkle. And if there's an area in our heart that'll fall after idolatry or fall after darkness, it's going to be exposed in this hour. God shall send them strong delusion that they should believe a lie. That they all might be damned who believed not the truth but had pleasure and unrighteousness. I'm going to dwell on being a lover of the truth. The key to escaping apostasy is to love the truth. To be a lover of the truth. See, listen, to, to receive the truth is more than hearing it. When the Bible says, those who have ears, let them hear what the Spirit says. It's talking about receiving that truth, walking in that truth. To receive the truth is to believe it and obey it. Amen. You hear what I'm saying? We've got to receive the truth in whatever way that that truth manifests itself. And tonight we're going to see different ways that the truth is manifested. It's in many different forms in the Bible. A lot of different things are called truth, but it always can be traced back or reduced down to the simplicity of the person of Jesus Christ. For Jesus said, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. Amen. Jesus is the truth. The first thing we're going to look at we must love the Word of God. We must love the Word of God. We must love the written Word. Jesus said, sanctify them in His prayer to the Father. For all believers, sanctify them, set them apart, consecrate them through Thy truth. Thy Word is truth. You see, the Word of God is our strength. It's our high tower, our fortress against everything that's evil and erroneous. And we should be bathing our mind, bathing our heart in the Word of God. We should be reading the Word of God daily, searching its contents. The psalmist said this. He said, Thy word have I hid in mine heart that I might not sin against thee. Hide that thing. You know why you're going to have to hide it? Because the devil comes to steal. Right. Amen. You just take that thing and don't really take it to heart and just kind of dabble with the Word of God and go back and forth in your mind trying to reason with that thing. You know what's going to happen? The devil's going to come and steal it. You need to immediately take the word of God and hide it in your heart. See, that's the word. I receive it. I believe it. I'm going to walk in it. And the devil's not going to be able to come and steal it out of your heart. Because you'll be sown in good ground. Those that hear the word and do it and obey and bring forth fruit. That word will bring forth fruit in your life. Oswald Chambers, a great man of God, said, Beware of reasoning about God's word. Obey it. Brother Britt, you understand everything in the Bible? Nope. I just believe it. God ain't never called me to figure it all out. Just called me to believe it. All you got to do is believe. Just what it says in the Bible, that's it. Say, so, oh, well, but all the scientists say that, you know, there's evolution. I don't believe that. 
Why? Do I need a reason? No! The Bible says it ain't so! I'm not called to prove this thing to anybody. I'm called to proclaim it with boldness. God created the earth in six days. On the seventh day, he rested. And every man is a liar, but that word is true. You can stack scientists up to the sky and books are from here to Africa. I don't care. This word is true. I'm going to believe the word of God. I don't care what psychology or scientists say because I know him. Because I know him. I used to preach on that college campus out there. They asked me all kind of questions. I first began to preach, got on a bench out there, began to proclaim the truth of God. They come up, what about evolution? What about Buddha? What about this? I said, Lord, God, I don't know. I went home, tried to start studying books, and the, word of, and the Spirit of God reproved me. He said, I didn't call you to, to, to prove me to anyone. You go out there and proclaim my truth. They're the ones in error. They're the ones that got to exalt their doctrines and their philosophies and tear down this word. I'm going to tell you, Jesus said, heaven and earth shall pass away, but that word ain't never going to pass away. And in the end, in the dust cells, we're going to know that this is the truth. I know it's the truth because I know the author. He said, you know Darwin? No. I said, I know Jesus. You're, how do you know evolution is true? You don't even know the man. I know Jesus. I know the author of the book. We got to have that revelation of the Son of God so we can stand in this hour. And we need that word to meditate upon it, to read it daily. You need to read your Bible every day. Discipline yourself to receive the word of God. Amen. We got to hear the preaching of the word of God because God has chosen the fivefold ministry for the perfecting of the saints. I'll get this thing on my own, Brother Britton. No, you won't. No, no, you won't. Because God's chosen a fivefold ministry for the perfecting of the saints. And so we got to hear the preaching of the word. You see, that preaching is going to correct. That preaching is going to be anointed. You know, I hear preachers all the time come and tell me, you know, throughout this whole laughing thing, you know, I talk to them, they say, well, you know, I'm not really called to correct, Brother Britt. I think, man, what kind of strange statement is that? I'm not called to correct. Hey, let me tell you something. You say you're not called to correct, you're not called to preach. How are you going to preach this word and not correct? The Bible says in Proverbs 3 and 11, my son despise not the chastening of the Lord. Lord, neither be weary of his correction. How's the Holy Ghost going to correct? Through the preaching of the word. 2 Timothy 4 and 2 says, preach the word. Preach the word. Be instant, in season and out. That means when it's popular, when it ain't popular. When you got a whole church full of folks looking at you like you're crazy, you just preach on through. Keep plowing. Oh, God, just stand true and preach the word of God. It says, listen to this, the elements of preaching. Reprove, rebuke, and exhort, and that word exhort even has a negative connotation. It means to correct and then to build up. Amen? With all suffering and with doctrine. Amen, those are the elements of preaching. I have men all the time stand behind pulpits and preach and never get anybody convicted. Not enough con- conviction even to get a sinner saved. Not enough conviction to make a man who's a drunkard or a pervert or any number of sins people in, in bondage to in the congregation even tremble at the word of God. God is holy. You hear me? He's holy. He's a holy God. He didn't ever have to send his son and shed the blood of his only son if he wasn't a holy God who required justice. Amen. Hebrews 4 and 12, describing the word of God, is quick, powerful, and sharper than any two-edged sword. Piercing. Piercing. Penetrating. 
The word of God pierces like a sword in the hearts of men. A true word of God that's fire baptized. We're like molten metal on the hearts, the fleshly hearts of men. The true word of God will cut through flesh like a flaming sword. The word of God is quick and powerful. It's supernatural. The preaching of the gospel is something supernatural. It's a shame in this hour that we can't even tell the difference between a politician giving a speech and most preachers. I come to tell you that if a man full of the Holy Ghost stands up and preaches the Word of God, you're going to know there's something different. Yes. Not just a speech or dissertation. It's eternity coming in our midst. There ought to be an element of the fear of God. If I can't come before you and bring just a fraction, a fraction of the atmosphere, what it will be like on the day of judgment to stand before the throne of God that I'm not preaching the word of God. It ought to bring forth something supernatural, the stamp of eternity on it, the stamp of destiny on it. Because God has chosen it to declare his truth. Titus 1 and 3 says, But hath in due times manifested his word, this is God. He's chosen this, but in due times manifested his word through preaching, which is committed unto me according to the commandment of God our Savior. Now, what do you suppose would happen if Jesus suddenly appeared here in all his glory? And Brother Mike said we'd be dead. What happened every time that he manifested in his glorified body? Even the holy apostle John. That disciple whom Jesus loved fell at his feet as a dead man. But the Bible says when the preaching of the cross is declared, Jesus is manifest. That's mean he's shown. Yet we got all kind of preachers that will preach a message. They will never convict nor penetrate. We got to love it. We got to love it. We got to love preaching. We gotta, you ought to listen to preaching all the time. Listen to it. You know, I've been working a lot. All the, I listen to a tape going to work. Listen to one coming home. Amen. I'm going to listen to the Word. I'm going to read my Bible. been working a lot. Missed some church services. That's not good. But I'm going I'm to be careful because I know it's a dangerous thing. Amen. Just lay out a church. It's a dangerous thing. You need to listen to the, some anointed preaching. You need to read that Bible every day. Get it in your heart. We've got to receive the living Word. Who's the living Word? Jesus. Talk about the written word. We've got to receive the, the, the living word. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. We know Jesus is the living word. But right there we talked about that spirit of antichrist. In 2 Thessalonians it describes that antichrist. What he does, he says, The son of perdition who opposeth and exalteth himself above all that is called God, or all that is worshipped, so that he is God, sitteth in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God commonly referred to as the abomination of the desolation in the Gospels. But you know, before that thing has to happen in the natural, it's happening in a lot of people's heart and the spirit. Where's the temple of God? His body. When Jesus died on the cross and his blood was shed, he was buried in that tomb, and on the third day, he rose from the dead and ascended to the Father. He won the victory. He won the right to be Lord of all. all creation, to be ruler, to be king, to be sovereign over every man's life. 
That's why the Bible says God commands every man to repent. The grossest sinner is in rebellion against God because God says, I need to control your life, and you reject it. All the other sins are byproduct of that rejection of Jesus as Lord. Who makes your decisions? Who controls your life? Do you pray about it? I'm going to school, brother, but I'm a major in this. Have you prayed about it? Who orders your steps? Be careful. You may be sitting in the temple of God and desecrating the throne of Jesus Christ, your heart. Sitting in a place that's only reserved for the Lord Jesus Christ. This is the essence of Christianity. And listen to me, that's the truth that can be preached 99% and, and, and avoid that one fact that Jesus must reign and be sovereign. And it'll damn souls. It'll damn souls. He can speak in tongues and run around the church, but if he's not Lord, you hear me? It's the very thing that's missing from the American gospel. Oh, Jesus really don't have to be Lord. Yes, he does. Read that. We're all over the Bible. He's got to rule and reign and be king of our lives. And we need to walk in the light we have. Oh, Brother Britt, have you always... Sometimes I don't know. Sometimes I don't know what the will of God is. But I'm just going to do the last thing that God told me to do. The last thing he told me to do, I'm going to do it. If I'm walking in darkness, I, I can't hear his voice, I'm just going to keep on walking on what God has told me to do and tell me, until he tells me to do otherwise. Walking by faith. But if we press in, God will speak to us in due season and give us a word to follow. Number two, we must submit to the spirit of truth. Who's the spirit of truth? The Holy Ghost. To be led by the spirit of God. It's to live a victorious life free from error. You see, the, the Word of God is placed in your heart, and Jesus said the Spirit of God is going to bring to your remembrance everything that I've said. That's why throughout the day the Holy Ghost will come and put a scripture in your mind when you need it. Because, see, the Holy Ghost is reaching down that file cabinet, what you've got in your heart, bring it to your remembrance. Then it's up to you to follow what the Holy Ghost has brought to your remembrance. And you resist that? You resist the correction of the Holy Ghost? Getting ready to do something, getting ready to say something, the Holy Ghost says, nope, don't do it. Quotes a scripture to you, or a portion of a scripture, or a principle of scripture. Hear what I'm saying? Something you may not be able to quote it, and I know exactly what it is, but it's a principle in the Word of God, you know it. And you resist that thing, be careful. So, well, I've done that before, just repent. I, oh, I, I've done things, you know, and then later just said, Lord, I, I, I know now that wasn't you. Just go on. But see, you resist the Holy Ghost, and you harden your heart to the leading of God, the truth of God. Romans 8, 11 through 14 says, But if the Spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwelleth in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by a Spirit that dwelleth in you. Therefore, brethren, we are debtors not to the flesh, to live after the flesh. For if ye live after the flesh, ye shall die. But if ye through the Spirit do mortify the deeds of the body, ye shall live. For as many led by the Spirit of God are the sons of God. Amen. I don't know the flesh nothing. You hear me? I don't know the flesh nothing. The flesh ruled and dominated me for 25 years. Drug me down by my neck down a path of destruction. I don't know the flesh nothing. Put that flesh to death. Amen. You know, I was a faithful servant to the devil. You hear what I'm saying? I smoke dope every day. I never questioned the devil. 
Why are you making me smoke this dope? I'm coughing, hacking, sick. Hey, man. I never said, hey, man, it's asking just a little too much. I was a faithful disciple to live for the devil. Faithful to, be, to live for Jesus. We, if we can't serve God with the same intention that we serve the devil, then aren't we deceived? We must walk in the way of truth, which is the way of the cross. We must walk in the way of the truth, and the way of the truth is the way of the cross. Turn to Mark chapter 8. Verses 31 through 35. Peter has just made the great declaration that Jesus is the Son of God, the Messiah. Who do men say that I am? Who do you say that I am, Jesus asked. Because you're the Son of the living God. And Jesus says, flesh and blood hadn't revealed this to you, Peter. So he has a great revelation. Now listen to me. Disciples got a revelation right then who Jesus really was. It was confirmed. And listen to the next thing he begins to tell them. And he began to teach them. See, as soon as you really get saved, really get full of the Holy Ghost, guess what the Holy Ghost is going to teach you? That's what the Holy Ghost is going to teach you. It's going to teach you this, that the Son of Man must suffer many things, and we to be followers of Jesus Christ, and be rejected of the elders and of the chief priests and the scribes, and be killed, and after three days rise again. And he spake that saying openly. See, as soon as you get saved, that's what the Holy Ghost is going to tell you. So I, I, I hadn't heard that. Maybe you hadn't been saved. What about all the blessing? Hey, there is blessing. What about this great life of abundance? It is great. Hey, it's, I, have more, I have more fulfillment in serving Jesus in all the years than I serve the devil. It's a great life. It's full of joy unspeakable. But if you're not willing to suffer, if you're not willing to be rejected, then you'll never know the blessings of God. And Peter took him and began to rebuke him. But when he had turned about and looked on his disciples, he rebuked Peter, saying, Get thee behind me, Satan. For thou savest not the things that be of God, but the things that be of men. And when he had called the people unto him with his disciples also, he said unto them, Whosoever will come after me, this is Jesus' invitation, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it. But whosoever shall lose his life for my sake in the gospel, the same shall save it. Now what did Peter do? You know what Peter did? Peter rebuked truth. Peter rebuked the word. Jesus is the word. And he rebuked that word. He said, oh no, you're not going to do that. See, so many people got the revelation of who Jesus is in the church, but they're not willing to receive the truth of the path of the cross. They don't want to receive it. And you know what they do? They rebuke Jesus. They rebuke the word. They rebuke the way of truth. They say, no, I'm not going to have none of that. And that's the end of their Christian life and the beginning of a life of religion led by the flesh. Because as soon as you get saved, the Holy Ghost is going to say, Mom and Daddy ain't going to like it. Brother and sister ain't going to like it. This may cost you your wife. This may cost you your friends. This may cost you your job. This may cost you your life. And you've got to decide. You say, oh, you can keep, I can keep going to church. I, I can keep speaking in tongues. I can keep giving in time. You can do all that. But will you follow Jesus with that cross? Will you follow him? The place of death. And see, the cross is going to do away with not all the good, not all the bad, but also all the good. Jesus don't want to have nothing to do with our flesh. All our righteousness, all our good works has his filthy rags. And the cross is going to do away with it all. 
How many times I've preached messages and they were as filth and as dung. They meant nothing to God. They were out of the flesh, out of my own mind, out of my own philosophies, out of my own intellect and opinions. They're going to burn up. And God wants to put to death all of that. My reputation, my pride, my unwillingness to be a servant, to be humble and lowly, to suffer the wrong. What are you going to do that? To forgive? To forgive even when you are wrong? Jesus said, forgive them, Lord. They know not what they do. He did it on the cross. He was pure and holy, the spotless Lamb of God. Never had sinned. Never was dishonest. You hear me? He was spat upon and rejected. He left all the call praise for eternity. Billions and billions of years. The angels cried, holy, holy, holy is the Son of God. He left all that and hear the jeering of men. Men spat upon him and rejected him and nailed him to a cross. You and I nailed him to that cross. And on that cross, that's where he said, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. That's where you and I will do that. On the cross. Listen to what the man of God, A.W. Tozer, said. The cross would not be a cross to us if it destroyed in us only the unreal and the artificial. It is when it goes on to slay the best in us that its cruel sharpness is felt. If it slew only our sins, it might be bearable, even kind as the knife of the surgeon is kind when it removes the foreign matter that would take our lives if allowed to remain. But when we must suffer the loss of things both precious and good, then we taste the bitterness of the nails and the thorns. Oh, Lord Jesus, you hear that? God wants to kill everything, even good in you, so that you can be a vessel dead. Hear me? So that you can be a vessel pure and holy that he can flow through. Because Brute Williams ain't going to do nothing for nobody. Yeah, there's nothing that I can do to help one single man. There's nothing I can do but hinder. Every bit of my personality, anything that's personified out of me, it can do nothing but destroy. For the flesh is enmity against God. It's an enemy of the kingdom. The only thing that will help people is Jesus. Jesus, the person of Jesus Christ, the Spirit of Almighty God that would flow through me as an empty and yielded vessel to touch lives. Do you suppose this blessing, hungry, flesh-appeasing gospel that's preached across this land is what the martyrs shed their blood for? Those Scottish companies were hung by the groves. Their heads chopped off. They went to that platform praising God, saying, this is the day that I shall see my Savior. Fox's Book of Mars record, they went to the stake that they would be burned on and kissed it. So the instrument of my reconciliation with the groom Jesus Christ. They took their shoes off and stood on the open beams and the open wood to be burned and gave to the poor the shoes and the clothes. Savonarola, a Catholic priest that got really born again, really saved. The Bible says, I mean, the history says that his sermons were like the clap of thunder. He preached against all the wickedness of the Roman Catholic Church and all the compromise of the popes and all of Rome trembled at that prophet of God. 
And they took him before the Pope. And the Pope said, Savonarola, if you'll just take a bishop's hat, you just quit preaching, we'll give you that bishop's hat. We'll promote you. And that man stood firm and stared that Pope down in the face with all boldness in the Holy Ghost and said, no hat shall I receive but the hat of a martyr written with my own blood. That's what he got. What did those men have that we don't have? We hear about a little persecution at work and we tremble. We hear we're going to be hated and rejected and we can hardly walk down that road of persecution. I tell you what they had. They had a revelation of Jesus. Because if you get a revelation of Jesus, you get a revelation of eternity. And you get a revelation of eternity and this life means nothing. You know what the world's looking for? The world's looking on the horizon for men that are marked with eternity. You hear me? They're tired of seeing preachers that'll preach one week and be in a hotel room with a whore the next. There's got to be some holy men preaching a holy message with holy lives that have the mark of the cross. Men that are dripping with the blood of Jesus Christ. A message that does not drip with the blood of Jesus Christ. And with their own suffering and groanings. And the spirit is not worthy to be called the gospel of Jesus Christ. And the world knows it. They know it. I knew it when I was growing up in church. Men talking about Jesus go out and racist, full of hatred, bitterness, sucking on cigarettes. I said, Lord God. That can't be Christianity. How do you expect the heathen to believe that God's going to raise us from the dead when he can't even deliver you from cigarettes? Come on, oh, one day Jesus is going to call. We're going to all climb out the dirt. Come on. The world's got more logical sense than that. There's got to be something different. We've got to have the marks of the cross. We've got to be marked with the stamp of eternity. We have to be men and women that are marked with the holiness of God. And that will only come through His grace. We will only emulate Christ Jesus to the point that we've emptied ourselves and allowed Him to reign through us. The Apostle Paul said to the anointing of the Holy Ghost, Galatians chapter 2, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave Himself for me. That's the key. To reckon ourselves dead. To deny ourselves. You and I can, listen to me, I'm free from the pressure of trying to get people saved. I just need to be obedient. The Holy Ghost says, witness to him. I witness to him. Holy Ghost says, pray. You pray. Amen, it's him that's got to flow through you. You hear me? Just die and let Jesus flow through you because it's the life of Jesus Christ. A week or two ago, my wife and I listened to a tape. It was preached probably 10 years ago, 8 or 9, 10 years ago. I tell you, that, that, man, that same man is so backslid today. But I'm going to tell you, the thing's so anointed. It didn't even really matter what he said. I mean, his doctrine was right. Hear what I'm saying. I'm not saying it don't matter what a man says. But I'm telling you, as soon as the tape was put in, I began to weep and cry. Why? Because of the, the presence of God. That's all we need is Jesus to flow through it. That's all we need. You hear me? Let Jesus come in a place and sinners will be convicted. It's just that simple. We need the presence. We need to cry out to God for his presence, for his divine presence. Where his presence is, that's where his work will be accomplished. We'll never, no matter how right our doctrine is, no matter how much we work, be in vain. That's why we're called to set aside our own lives 
Get self out of the way. Get Brent Williams out of the way and let Jesus flow through by being obedient to the leadings and the guidance of the Holy Ghost and to follow the way of truth, which is the way of the cross. We must become the truth which we embrace. Jesus was the Word. He preached the Word. He lived the Word. He was the Word displayed to all of Israel. He came and declared the Word of God and his life were endeavored what he preached. God always confirms his Word with a life. That's his pattern. Always going to confirm his word with the life. So on your job, you can preach and you need to preach. You need to witness. But they're going to look at that life. And if that life don't line up with that word that you speak, all in vain. The word says this, ye are our epistles, written in our hearts, known and read of all men. For as much as ye have manifestly declared to be the epistles of Christ, ministered by us, written not with ink but with the spirit of the living God, not in tables of stone, but in fleshly tables of the heart. The only Bible that somebody might read is the Bible that you display before them by your life. Some people never open the Bible, but they read the epistle that's written on your heart every day. And what impression of Christianity do they get? See, we've got to embrace the truth. We've got to embrace it and become it. We've got to walk in truth and become that truth and emulate Jesus Christ. And again, he is the truth, so we have to let him flow through us. And we walk in that truth and become that truth, then we will reject all error. We will despise all error. We'll keep ourselves from that apostate church when we live what we preach. The last thing we must do to guard ourselves from apostasy, if we love the truth, this will be the results of our loving the truth. And we will separate from error and compromise. What a man hates, he can't tolerate. I said, what a man hates, he'll never tolerate. See, this is why I pray this. Lord, let me passionately hate everything that you hate. Let me passionately love everything that you love. But everything that you hate, Lord God, place it in my heart that I would hate it as well. Because if you love the truth, you must expose error. How can I be a lover of the truth and receive the truth and not love for error to be exposed? Because where there's right, there can be no darkness. Will you shut all these doors and shut all these windows and you turn off the lights and be all dark? You turn the light on, there's no darkness. Darkness and light cannot coexist together. This is why the Bible, and again, I said this morning, see, Listen to me, the coming out and the falling away is basically the same thing. It is a mutual separation. It is a mutual separation. This polarization that's taking place in the body right now, in the professing church, all across the land, all across the world, it is a mutual separation. How can two walk together unless they be in agreement? I can't agree with darkness. I can't agree with compromise. I can't agree with lukewarmness. That lukewarm church will separate from the remnant because of the holiness, because of the light. Because they hate the light. They despise the light. This is the condemnation. That light is coming to the world, and men prefer darkness rather than light because the deeds are evil. And we in the church, we separate to 
that he's keep from getting defiled. Amen. Pressing into Jesus in the person of Jesus Christ. See, what's tolerated in the church today would have been boldly condemned in small-town America just 50 years ago. You hear me? Who's setting the standards? The world is affecting us. We're not affecting the world. Just 50 years ago, they'd have never, ever allowed some of the things that go on in the church world to happen in small-town America. Would they let queers in the White House? They'd have hung them from the trees. Hey, you hear what I'm saying? Hey, man, just a few years ago, they wouldn't let Elvis Presley shake his hips on TV. Now you turn the TV on in every single spot has somebody shaking something and it ain't just hips. And the world receives it. And the world delights in it. And so does the church. Amen. The church receiving the spirit of the world and compromising. See, the backside is simply to receive a spirit of compromise. I've seen so many men save 20 years, save 15 years, save 30 years, and they just started to take a little step backwards. Well, I, I mean, you know, I've lived like this for 15 years, but I'm going to just, I can do this, I can do that. Hear, hear me now, I ain't saying specific things, because I'm not your Lord. But there are things that all of you know that the Spirit of God deals with you about. Anything this Bible condemns as sin, you must separate yourself from. Well, I come to tell you, there are a lot of things in every single person's life that the Holy Ghost would demand that you forsake that in itself is not sinful. But it's something that captivates your heart. The Bible says, set your affections on things above. You hear me? Set anything that would take your affection. Hey, I'm a man. Hear me? I, I've done a lot of things. I love playing basketball. I loved it. Is there anything wrong with playing basketball? Absolutely not. Not a thing wrong with it. Will I ever play basketball again? Probably. I'm going to tell you, there were times the Holy Ghost said, lay it down. Lay it down because I loved it. I couldn't take competition. I'd lose. It would cause me to bruise, cause me to hate people. You hear me? You say, come on now. Oh, listen to me. I knew the Holy. I had people tell me, you ain't got to lay that down, brother. You're legalistic. You better be careful what you tell people. The Holy Ghost might be telling them to lay that down. That don't mean I expect not one of you to lay it down because I know it's not sinful in itself. I'm not telling you to lay basketball down or hunting or fishing, whatever it might be. But I'm telling you, are you obeying God? And every little thing, every little action, every little thing that captivates your heart, it may be hindering the move of God in your life. It may be hindering you from receiving the truth. Because anything that you exalt above Jesus Christ is an idol. Anything. Amen. Jesus said, and ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. I'm going to simply close by saying this. We all need the truth. Ain't no way we're going to get it without asking for it. The Bible says, draw nine to God. He will draw nine to you. Hear me now. I've always known this, that God is for me. You know that? I've always never been afraid to go to God, even though when I've been convicted. You see, if you're going to receive truth, you're going to have to receive it even if it undermines you. The key to receiving truth is to receive it even if it damns you. You hear me? The moment you begin to try to explain something away, oh, well, because it convicts you is the moment that you cut yourself off from the grace of God. Because the Bible says you better be careful how you hear. You hear me? Where does it say that? I got that written down. Let me read that scripture to you. In Mark, I believe. If any man have ears to hear, let him hear. And he said unto them, Take heed what ye hear. 
with what measure ye meet it shall be measured to you and unto you that here shall more be given for he that hath to him shall be given and he that hath not from him shall be taken even that which he hath you see if you're going to receive truth you're going to have to receive it even if it undermines your own life but the only way we're going to be able to do that is draw nigh to God and just simply ask him you hear me it's that simple because he's for it. You know, God wants you to accomplish what he's called you to do. You know that? He wants you to fulfill his perfect will. He's in it for you. He wants you to accomplish that. But you've got to draw out of God and ask him. Let's stand. Brother James, come up here and play a little something for us.